The Law of Equivalent Exchange. This is Tim in Tokyo reading Fullmetal Alchemist in English from Viz. And this is Patrick in Kumamoto reading Hagane no Renkin Jutsushi, the original in Japanese, from Gangan Comics by Hiromu Arakawa. And we're up to chapter 73, A Daydream. Nice, short, simple title. This was... I know this chapter just reminded me, as if we needed reminding, but reminded me of how tightly plotted this comic is. And just everything just kind of fits together. I don't know how she did it with so many characters. <laughs> <laughs> I think one time uh, I I uh, I was reading about how Brian Michael Bendis when he was like doing like a whole bunch of different series, plus some group stuff, like uh, like an X-Men or an Avengers, where you have a whole bunch of different characters. They can't always be in the same place at the same time. So, it, And and how he kind of schedules their appearances. And mm-hmm. so I'm sure she must have some kind of schedule, you know? There must, be a, must have been a wall in her house where she was plotting it all out. <laughs> a murder wall. <laughs> <laughs> A murder wall with all the red strings. Hmm. So this chapter starts with the Briggs soldiers who were searching the tunnel. And they found those two guys, as we saw a few chapters ago. uh, And all that they would say is, you got to turn out your lantern or the monster's going to get us. So they've been feeling their way back in the dark. What I wanted, I wanted a full chapter of them just walking silently in the dark. <laughs> That's <laughs> just, kind of the, the opposite footsteps. of the... the well, and then the would, scene would switch to a polar bear in a snowstorm. <laughs> so black, white, black, white, 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 black. <laughs> That's right. And, the, and snowstorm is something that happens. Yes, it <laughs> in is. In this chapter. Yes. Yeah, they look rough. They look like they've been rode hard and put up wet. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these poor guys that they found. Yes. So, Buccaneer is you know, one of the search party, and he's saying, you know, we went past our 24-hour window, and you know, we had told Armstrong that if we did, weren't back in 24 hours, he should just you know, forget about us, you know, cover up the door, seal the door, whatever she had to do. So, it's been over 24 hours, and they're wondering if there's any way they can get out. You know, Buccaneer's saying, I can just use you know, my right arm. He doesn't have the chainsaw attached, but he's got some kind of a metallic arm there. So, he climbs the ladder, he knocks on the door, and somebody opens it. I don't know this character's name. I'm not sure if we've even been told who this is. Mm. Uh, and... He says, well, according to this watch, it hasn't been 24 hours yet. And Buccaneer says, looks like it's broken. What? How strange. (laughs) By the way, I got this watch from Major General Armstrong. And they just look at each other. Um, So, yeah, it turns out she's an old softie. (laughs) Yeah. Who would have (laughs) thought? The the whole thing about about his, um, his bionic arm... I was talking about Six Million Dollar Man yesterday. Uh, I was talking about how, for some reason, people of my generation and older in Japan, Japanese people, they know the Bionic Woman, mm-hmm. but they don't know the Six Million Dollar Man because apparently the show they called it Bionic Jamie mm-hmm. uh, was 
a bigger hit because it starred a woman, I suppose, and she's cuter than Lee Majors, I guess. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I'll go along with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was crushing on her when I was eleven. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. But I was I was just thinking about this because like I recently watched Black Mirror where there's an episode that has uh, robots like basically like physical they they hold the 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 mental uh, I don't know in you know the thoughts of the person from far away but they are a, a robot replica and I was just thinking about. In that episode, one thing they did, which is interesting, is that they didn't make the robot robot strong, you know? Mm. <laughs> they made them just normal people strong. And, uh, and that's something that I always thought that they should do in a lot of these cyborg goes berserk <laughs> situations. <laughs> like, why did you make a girl's toy, like, able to lift a truck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I was just thinking about that with a... Uh, Seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. Yeah, if it's your own parts, though, if you're going to have a cybernetic, like arm or something, you definitely want it to be able to go, you know, have superpower. So Buccaneer finds Armstrong on the roof. She's you know surprised that he's late. She's, you're so late coming back. I almost gave you up for dead. Um, we found two survivors. What are you doing up here? Uh, and she says Briggs is at its best in the winter everything becomes black and white i love the simplicity of it buccaneer says is that right but sir he calls her sir uh it's like marcy uh <laughs> been reading a lot of peanuts lately uh if you look up you can also see blue nothing in the world is purely black and white including the hearts of men so i thought that was that was interesting i mean obviously the comic is black and white but uh <laughs> But yeah, nothing is truly black and white. Yeah. But but isn't that yeah? Wasn't that f- fascinating? Because you know, it's you do have characters that you know they like simplification, and and you have people who like things simple. Like these are the bad guys; these are the good guys. And mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, but what I think this creator has shown us time and time again is nobody is that simple, even. The the baddie bads. Yeah, well, there's an example of that coming up in this chapter. Mm. Some foreshadowing there. And he says, thanks for showing us soldiers some mercy. She says, hmm, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, some guys arrive from Central City HQ. He says, we have business with your commander. And he's holding an ominous piece of paper. Now... Uh, in the previous chapter, at the end, we were speculating, like, what exactly happened here with Ed and Al and the others, and there was this uh, wide panel gutter that implied that there was some action there that we did not see, and mm-hmm. now we see what was missing there. And sure enough, it's, a uh, you know, just like in a thousand Hanna-Barbera cartoons from the 60s and 70s, somebody says, okay, gang, this is what we'll do. Bzz, 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 bzz. <laughs> and then you don't hear what the plan is. Um, so we didn't even get that last time. But yeah, there there was a plan afoot. The whole uh, Scar uh, kidnapping Winry, holding her hostage or something, and she was supposedly knocked out. Uh, that was that was a ruse. So this scene starts with... <laughs> 
uh, Miles has to keep track of all of their all of the things that they need to do, all of their objectives. <laughs> so first, we can't let them know that Marco is here. Also, we can't let Scar get captured because we need him to translate the research notes. We need to free Ms. Rockbell from being held hostage by the Central City military. And we must not allow them to find out that the Elric brothers are involved in any of this. Plus, there are my original orders to bring the girl with knowledge of the purification arts back to Fort Briggs. Got all that? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, lots of competing uh, objectives here. That's right, that's right. And Mei-chan's being her often cute self. (laughs) Yeah, she doesn't know why she's an objective here. What do you want with me, she says. But Miles says, don't worry, you'll be treated like an honored guest. So his first, Miles' first idea is the best thing to do would be for us to stick together and travel back to Fort Briggs where everyone can hide out. But Ed objects because he means we we have to take along Scar too. He's like completely against being involved with Scar in any way. He's just Mm. rabidly against that idea. Um. We don't, he doesn't even care about getting the research notes translated. You know, not if it means bringing him along. Um, and Mei Chang stands up for Scar. Mister Scar isn't a bad man. He just does bad things. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as we've seen, maybe we know Scar better than these characters do because we've seen a lot of his background. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's angry and he wanted revenge. But yeah, he's not totally evil either. He's just someone who has done some bad things. Mm. Misguided, maybe. Yeah. Misguided things. Mm-hmm. What I, what I, you know, like, sometimes these redemption stories, it's like, uh, but Anakin killed those kids, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, he had a lot to come back from. I mean, uh, Scar is nothing compared to Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we didn't know everything that Anakin had done when we first saw uh, Return of the Jedi. Mm. Yeah, we knew he like choked some some of his troops and he'd blown up a planet. <laughs> well, no, I mean we did know that he was like responsible for getting rid of most of the Jedi but we didn't know how many that was and we did not know that they were kids involved yeah well so which is worse massacring like 10 kids or blowing up a planet (laughs) like he did in in episode (laughs) 4 what did Darth Vader do that or well yeah remember with with, with, uh, Princess Leia watching you know say goodbye to your planet boom that wasn't Darth Vader, though. That was uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess so. But, yeah, but of course, he was working for Darth Vader, so... Hmm? Darth Vader is working for Grand Moff Tarkin. Okay, well... He's I guess the it's boss. It's been, been a while since I watched that movie, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, Grand Moff hmm. was the boss in that situation. Mm, okay. He was calling the shots. Okay, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm going back to my seventh grade self, where clearly Darth Vader was the worst one, and he must be the the leader of the bad guys. Um, so I I wasn't you know attuned to the politics of it. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Grandma was was like the uh, the Tarkin was the definitely above. Okay. It like in, I guess in I that never situation. never realized that. It's been a long time since I saw that movie. <laughs> 
anyway, uh, so Miles gets Scar to uh, promise that he will cooperate. He swears on the blood of Ishval. Uh, so Miles turns to Winry and says, so that's that. I'm sorry, miss. You'll have to wait a bit longer for your vengeance. Now, I'm not... Did she say she was going to have vengeance? Or what? See, I think this, the word sabaku, I think I talked about a lesson, mm. is uh, mistranslated as vengeance. It's more like uh, justice. Get your justice. Mm-hmm. So... You know, vengeance and justice, those are not exactly the same. Right? Yeah, I mean, from her, you know, treating his arm last time, it seemed like she was, you know, bypassing do, getting revenge. Mm. Because she didn't want, she wanted to break that cycle of violence. Yeah, so she's not, you know, uh, if she, whatever she extracts from Scar to help balance out the blood debt she's owed. Uh, that's up to her, basically, right? And it doesn't have to be, you know... Like, if you say vengeance, it just seems like there's going to be more blood involved. Yeah. So those two Chimera guys uh, are tied to a support beam, and Miles says, they're of no use to us. Eliminate them, and the guy's going to shoot them. But Winry and Al object. Um, do you have to kill them? Al. Yeah. Good old Al. Isn't there another way without killing them? I, I figured somebody was going to step up here, you know, because, you know, Miles is going to Miles. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that I was sure that uh, one of the two would step up and uh, Al, Al came to the, to the rescue. The horny toad guy says, with a body like this, there's no chance of us ever leading a normal life again anyway. It's our time to die, so just kill us. But uh, Al gets them to say, like, you know, they don't really like these bodies, and they have families, but those families were told they were dead when they became chimeras, and convinces them, you know, they, they shouldn't give up hope, and he shows them that he's in the same situation where he doesn't have a body at all. He right. pulls off his helmet, and there, of course there's nobody in there. Uh, so they're saying, wow, that's even worse than being a chimera. <laughs> um, Ooh, your life sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he says, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe this seems even more hopeless. But I'm not giving up hope. So they embrace that idea that they should also not give up hope. And so I was thinking as I read this, wow, she humanized monster guys who were bad guys in the last chapter. <laughs> right? <laughs> Don't even look Amazing. like humans, but. <laughs> Amazing. Humanize the monsters and monsterize the humans. Yeah, so again, not black and white. Exactly. Yeah, that was a good call out. And then uh, guess who saves the day <laughs> when they need a way to get out of here? Right. Well, we should mention that storm is coming that was hinted at last chapter and it's starting to damage the building that they're in. Uh, and, you know, if, if it's a blizzard, they're just going to be trapped there. And yeah, who but who could it be? Yoki says, this is a mining town, right? Then we should take the underground tunnels. Just kind of matter-of-factly. And Ed and Al, like, looking at him wide-eyed, he says, what? <laughs> you see, in a mine this big, there has to be a tunnel that leads to the other side of the mountain. Don't underestimate a former owner of a coal mine. And so he's like, heh, heh, heh. And uh, so they're like... 
yeah, this is the information that we need. This is how we get out of here. <laughs> um, so, I, so I think now for the Yoki fans, I think that uh, Arakawa needs to revisit the series, do a side story, you know, a volume, like a three-volume set of the life of Yoki. <laughs> you know, it's a, it reminds me of the old joke about how the original Star Trek, when it was sold in Japan, they changed the title to Sulu, Master Navigator. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? No. No, no, I don't think so. In fact, in fact, Sulu is called Kato. Interesting. Well, yeah. Sulu is not really a Japanese name. It's a No, it's like the, there's space a space future sea. Japanese name. Well, this there's a Sulu sea in the, like near the Philippines. Uh so I think there was a, you know. But his first name is Hikaru, which came out much later though than mm. his he has a Japanese background. Mhm. So they're going to try to get out that way but then uh marco says now all we need to do is come up with a way to solve ms winry's predicament without incriminating the elric brothers ed and miles are talking about it and then winry speaks up this isn't easy for me to say but maybe we could make it look like scar has taken me hostage what do you think uh and of course ed objects to it you realize you'd be putting your life in his hands uh but she objects to them objecting because you know, she's already <laughs> involved in this and it's her life. And so she needs to be involved in figuring out how to get out of this. So Good points all. Good yeah. Points all. And, and for a brainstorming session, it's going really well. Everybody's saying, how about this? And then everybody going, yes, let's do that. There's no, <laughs> well, what if, what if you do this instead? There's none of that. And there's none of improving the ideas. It's like, first idea, let's do it. We don't have a lot of time. Uh, so it's going really well from a brainstorm session thing. And everybody's contributing. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although Ed really reluctantly agrees to this plan. Um, and you know there are warnings. The storm is getting worse. Soon we won't even able to, we won't even be able to leave the building. Also, there's concern that Kimberly and his men are going to show up pretty soon, uh, and so still the pages go by after those warnings come out. Uh, still a lot of talking. Can I just say that uh, for bad guys getting tied up this way, I also saw it in a movie recently, and I just think pretty flimsy <laughs> mm, know, yeah just, just wrap the rope around them a few times yeah pretty fl that seems like there's a lot of leeway there you know so anyway side note <laughs> so ed frees scar from the alchemically induced trap that he was in uh and the chimeras say you got to take us along too yeah they say that they're gonna they're gonna give give up Whatever info they have. I know you don't trust us, so you don't even have to undo our restraints. But Mr. Kimbley has no mercy toward those who fail to carry out his orders. He'll kill us for sure. Mm. Um, and, yeah, they're not giving him hope of getting their original bodies back. So. Yeah, and then Marco tells them, tells them, like, by the way, <laughs> if you help us, basically what you're doing is helping to stop the whole destruction of... <laughs> like this, this country and yeah, they never knew that yep so you know and you know their loved ones could be destroyed so it gives them even more incentive to cooperate 
they're building a bigger posse. It's it's one piece all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Miles says to Scar, "You'd better hurry, Scar. I have faith in your acting skills." <laughs> what? I'm um, just to interject. What? What are the odds that these two survive to the end of the story? I think <laughs> to the, the end of the two uh, Ishvalans. Twenty-seven. Yeah, no, no, the two. Uh, the two. Oh, the chimeras. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know what? I'm just sensing. I'm guessing. Okay. A valiant death in their future. <laughs> that may Protecting be. one of the main party. I, I just, didn't even... I, I don't remember seeing them on many of the covers. No. I don't remember those characters at all. But And so Scar is heading out, and one of the Brig soldiers tells Winry she's got to remove her earrings or she'll get frostbite. Hmm. And she's got all these piercings in her ears. And so she takes them all out and gives them to Ed says, hold these for me. I'll be waiting for you back at the fort. It's a good thing that nobody has any navel piercings. <laughs> yeah. So now we go to the scene that we saw in the previous chapter, more or less, with uh, Scar standing on top of the building, holding Winry, uh, and Kimberly looking up at them. And I thought this was really cool, how... Scar points out that they're in just the opposite position in relation to each other that they were back in the war where Kimberly was standing on top of something looking down on Scar, pre-Scar Scar and the other Ishvalans and now Scar is and, looking down on him. And Kimberly does not like it. He no. does not like looking being looked down upon. And uh, I think that even though in our society, this is something that we do not like. We do not like look, being looked down upon. I think when you have a hierarchical society like uh, that's so stratified here, like we have here in Japan, I think that even when you think that you're in the higher strata and someone in the lower strata is looking down at you, that's like, you mm -hmm. know, a big, that's a big insult. Yeah, maybe that's informing this a bit since Arakawa is Japanese. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, Scar says, and I don't know how you could hear him from way up there, but comics, uh, he says, long time no see, Kimberly. Even if you can't hear it, you can read the word balloon. Right. Okay. <laughs> it seems the tables have turned since we first met, and we see flashback images of the two of them from, from the uh, war flashback volume. And Kimberly says, how dare you? Uh, and then, as we saw last time, Ed falls out of the building, although we don't really see him falling out here, but he confronts Wait, wait, wait. he Kimberly. just says, how dare you? Yeah. Okay, because in the Japanese it says, don't look down on me. Ah, okay. Yeah, a little bit more to the point. Yeah, yeah it's maybe a, l a little bit unclear, just saying how dare you, exactly what he is offended by. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you could get to that point, you know, mm -hmm. but I, I think, yeah, it, it it serves better to, I'm glad we brought it, brought yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. And so then Ed is going ahead with the plan of blaming it all on Kimberly that Winry got <laughs> kidnapped, and Miles chimes in too, Kimberly, can't you keep an eye on a, one little girl? It was your job to keep Ms. Rockbell in protective custody. Kimberly says, let me go, and he... He starts getting naked from <laughs> the hands. I mean, just out. his hands. Well, no, no, no. He's taking off his gloves so that he can do alchemy. Uh, no, I think he's putting on his gloves. 
Because then why is the glove flying away? Oh, okay. Hmm. But oh, I see. the 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 eyes are on his his actual hands, not on the gloves. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. I was thinking those were on his gloves. So right, he takes his gloves off, and he's going to clap, and Ed grabs his wrists and stops him. So we're not sure what he's trying to do. But then uh, Scar uh, zaps the building and some pieces of the building fall down. And so then they all have to get away from the building, which, of course, gives Scar and Winry a chance to sneak down to the tunnel. And also the storm is getting worse and worse. And Miles says to Ed, that was some great acting on your part. And Ed says, I wasn't acting. I really am boiling with anger at having to trust Scar with Winry's life. <laughs> this uh, this blizzard is like the uh, the convenient train that goes by in a car chase. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's the bad guy or the good guys get away. Yeah, and the the person who has to stop for the train is sticking his head out the window and shaking his fist. I'll get you. <laughs> and that's kind of the look on Kimberly's face here. He looks really angry as he's walking away. So then we see Yoki leading Scar and some others into the tunnel and sharing his knowledge about how, how to know which way is the dead end and which way is the right way. So feel trying to feel a breeze. Uh, so if, if the air is stale, it's most likely a dead end, and also poison gas could be accumulating there. So I mean, she's actually like having Yoki like use some expertise and uh, you know be more of an involved character. <laughs> yeah, after being a joke character for multiple volumes, now he's <laughs> showing his worth here. Are you addicted to classic TV shows? Did you spend the 80s sitting in front of the boob tube? Then join us for TV Tangents, where we examine television of the 20th century with barely any contemporary context. Visit Shout Engine, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, and look for TV Tangents. So Marco is talking with Winry, saying, you know, you're brave like your parents. I guess he knew, knew or at least knew of her parents during the war. Uh, they were brave, and you're brave too, but she says, I'm not brave. I put myself in danger. I don't know when I can get home. I let down my boss and my customers. I'm pathetic, she says. That's another thing where, honestly, when we're at work, we're in work mode, but when we're in home, you know, we, we, you know, we tend to not worry so much about the customers <laughs> <laughs> when we're off the clock, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, sometimes it depends. Like, it depends on what, how, you know, what, what your particular job is at work. But it's like, you know, she's so work-oriented. You know? mm. There's more to life, Winry. More <laughs> to life. And Mei Chung says she can't go home either. Her, her family's waiting for her, but she's also kind of stuck here now. Did we see where she mentions that she's not interested in getting... Ah, uh, that's coming up. Okay. That's um, on page 171. Uh, on page 170, uh, after she says that the she can't go home, uh, Yoki and a couple of soldiers find the tunnel inspector's station and find a detailed map of the tunnels. 
and one of the soldiers says, geez, it's so complicated. Yoki says, we just go through here, here, and here to get out. You're amazing. <laughs> Keep the compliments coming. He's really enjoying <laughs> being somebody that they're looking up to now. <laughs> See, there's more ways to get attention, Yoki, than being a pencil mustache jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is then where Marco asks May, uh, it's been a while since you asked me about the Philosopher's Stone. Why is that? She says, I don't want it anymore be wrong for me to use something that was made by sacrificing people's lives and and even if she brought just brought back the knowledge her king would be sure to try to recreate it yeah without hesitation she says without hesitations he would yeah just kill several hundred people to make it mm-hmm. so doesn't sound like the best place to live either this shin place no absolute Monarchy yeah, it's a monarchy. Kind of. So, yeah, they found this map. They're going going to make their way through the tunnels. Now, in that last panel on 171, I assume you've got the same page numbers I do, oh. um, you see uh, these characters in silhouette, and someone is saying, Hey, Dr. Marker, do you think there might be a clue in there about a way to get our original bodies back? Now, is that the chimeras? Yeah, I think so. We don't actually see them... I couldn't find them anywhere in the scene. So it was a little disorienting. Like, what are Ed and Al there? No, they're someplace else, as we see a couple pages later. So, yeah, the only other people who are trying to get their original bodies back within this group are the Chimeras, but we don't actually see them. It's true. She doesn't show them. <laughs> she doesn't show them anywhere. Yeah, so I was kind of disoriented there. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of just, like, went... Like, there's a couple things I noticed on second read, like, uh, that when uh, when Mei Chang is defending Scar, she throws the the little panda <laughs> at, <laughs> at Ed's head. <laughs> like, I, I just... I went right by it, by it the first time. Hmm, and, uh, I don't think I noticed that, where, where she says, hey... Oh, yeah, okay. Hey, Mr. Scar isn't a bad man. And, yeah, Xiaomei uh, is biting Xiaomei yeah. is biting Ed on the head. Chomp. Yep. Hmm. Okay, so we see Kimberly with Miles and other soldiers. And, yeah, Miles is thinking the snowstorm really saved us. I hope Marco and the others make it to Fort Briggs while Kimberly is still immobilized. Um, but then Briggs calls... Uh, Miles and he's talking on the phone and then he goes he says what and he goes dun, and dun, finds dun. Ed and Al uh, and says Major General Armstrong has been called to Central City a, a group of men from Central City arrived at Fort Briggs Kimberly must have told the president something I saw him making a lot of phone calls back at the fort uh, and so this means that most likely a commander who is loyal to Bradley will be instated in her place. So that means that the people who are making their way to Briggs shouldn't go to Briggs. Mm. Uh, so, and of course, they don't have cell phones in this world. <laughs> Can't just send them a text. Or uh, ravens. So, <laughs> no, or if I was thinking, you know, is, is anybody here like have what, like a mind 
reading skills or like sending what's the word i'm looking for telep a telepath yeah Yeah. no telepaths here i mean they have radio so Mm, but yeah they they i think somebody says they don't have a yeah they don't even have a radio Mm. and in this storm it's impossible to go after them on foot and ed's thinking he'll take his chances but the guy says, don't underestimate a blizzard. Before you know it, it'll sap all your energy and you'll freeze to death. End of story. But Al points out his body doesn't get tired and doesn't freeze to death. So if anybody should go, it's him. And so next page, there he is out in the blizzard. And he's got a compass and a map, and somehow the map doesn't blow away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was really expecting to see a panel where it was blowing away gone forever um but uh yeah he's he's making his way through the storm and then you know things get so white and then he sees his own actual body uh in that place where it is with those big stone stone doors behind him and the uh his body is reaching out to his armored self and their hands almost touch or appear to touch but then it's all gone again and he He's wakes up back, and back, back in the blizzard sound effect gust <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he's puzzled that he just saw his physical body and he has a flashback to bury the chopper and I dug back trying to find whatever scene this is referring to and I couldn't find it I couldn't remember if it was early or late in the Barry the Chopper era, but Barry is saying they were two separate things to begin with, so of course they would repel one another. And I guess he was talking about his own real body and... Yes, yes, his own real body and the armor. The armor. Uh, to, to The reverse is that. The reverse of that, of course, his actual body and his soul are longing for each other. Mm. And so maybe in this uh, place of nothingness, he reached a Zen state where he could, <laughs> you know, his his physical body could reach across the void. Mm. And yeah, his thought on the next page, normally this body wouldn't have a soul inside it, so it's being rejected. My physical body is pulling my soul towards it. And we leave him in the blizzard and we go to Father. We haven't seen him in a while. Uh, Mm -mm. in his chair with all the pipes and he's placing these figures on uh is this a pentagram it's a pentagon with a five five pointed star inside it and okay placing these figures on the corners of the pentagon and saying that they are edward al uh Von Hohenheim, uh, Izumi Curtis, and one other person, whoever that is. So Izumi Curtis also tried to write to reconstitute her dead child. Right. So she's also like connected to the truth, I suppose. Yeah. So. So who else is? So indoors. Um, but what about uh, Hohenheim? Hohenheim himself. I mean, uh, he has a philosopher's stone, so obviously he's done something. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, Who else could it be? Marco has maybe? Maybe. Oh, I should mention here on that last page, we see Lean just kind of hanging out. Haven't seen him in quite a while. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about him. (laughs) (laughs) No more. There's no jokes about him, you know, pigging out on food. No. And uh, leaving the bill for someone else. Yeah, he's really been in reserve here for quite a while. I'm sure he's going to have another moment later, but Mm. not much going on on that front. Um, But yeah, I'm not sure who the other person would be. But um, It's you, dear reader. (laughs) Apparently, this is kind of the, the plan for the... Because, you know, they they were talking about, for that human sacrifice that was talked about before uh, of the Elrics and and others to accomplish whatever it is they're trying to accomplish. Um, let's see. Not Should a we, lot of back matter. No. Should we do sound effects first or, or do the back yeah, matter first? Yeah, let's go ahead and do the sound effects. I didn't okay. really find anything that... Yeah, it's not a great sound effects chapter. Um, I don't know that I saw anything in here that I hadn't seen before. Mm. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Kimberly spreading his arms apart because the Japanese sound effect is zua, which mm. I have not seen before. Okay. Yeah, it's fwa in English. <laughs> that sounds very flamboyant. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to go with, and it's not the first time we've ever seen it, but I thought it's really effective here. When uh, Scar is holding Winry on top of the building and Kimberly is looking up at him and uh, the wind is blowing, it's goo. Mm. I thought it really added to the to that panel as it's you know leaving the panel and overlapping other panels. Mm-hmm. The, the G and W are huge, and the O's gradually get smaller. When he's about to alchemize the top of the building, he he kind of cracks his knuckles here. Does, does it just do they just do crack or crack? K R A K. Okay. Uh, and then crash also with a K. I guess I should give Gust an honorable mention. I mentioned a bit earlier <laughs> when Al's in the storm. Hmm. Okay, but yeah, the back matter is uh, kind of lacking this time. Um, apparently the chapters went on longer than usual, and so they didn't have much room. Mm. Uh, we have one four-panel comic here. Now, okay, I was puzzled by this. So what? what is, in Japanese, what is the title of this comic? This four-panel. Buraha. I, I don't... It's like loyal dog Braha, hmm. which I don't know what that reference might be. Braha. Hmm. Uh, in English, they called it Bayate the Faithful Dog. Now, I'm not sure why it's Bayate instead of Hayate. Hmm. Oh, Braha is short for bloodhound, apparently. Hmm. I don't know. It's, it's really puzzling. But uh, in the comic itself, we see Hawkeye and Pride's uh, black shadow self with the big eyes and big teeth uh, lurking behind a pole saying, I'll always be watching you. 
Black Hayate walks up and pees on the shadow. And oh, Black Hay- Black Hayate. That's Braha. That's what they're saying. Braha is short for Black Hayate. Okay. So it's just loyal dog. Black okay, Hayate. so that's so they're abbreviating Black Hayate as Bayate. That's but it's clear as mud. I, I would say, wouldn't it be Blayate? <laughs> yeah, guess. I don't know. They it, shouldn't, it makes they no shouldn't sense. try that. They make, they they just yeah they just should no have sense. said loyal dog Hayate if they wanted to shorten it, yeah. it doesn't. Anyway, yeah, Hayate pees on the shadow, and uh, the sh- shadow is saying, "Ag my eyes," and Hayate is just like with his back feet sh- uh, shuffling uh, dirt onto where he peed. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, like of course we know, like they love here to concatenate things, stick them together, like. Like like we do in English with like uh, what was it Ben Affleck and Jennifer would be Benifer and yeah. and uh, and that kind of thing. So uh, I think uh, I saw an inter- <laughs> interview with Robin Williams on a Japanese show, and they were talking about Brad Pitt. His short name is Brappy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Robin Williams lost it. He's like, sounds like a fart in like Brappy. He started laughing. Uh, so we have the special thanks section with the picture of Kimberly and an arrow pointing to him and says, I have this idea that characters in white suits are all weirdos. I wonder why. And of course, <laughs> Arakawa is there in the background. Now, the word hentai is used. So. Mm. Uh, which does mean weirdo, but it's pervert specifically, you know? Mm. So pervert is what it, it should have been. Yeah. Pervs. I had a coworker that had like a sticker made perv and he like put it on all his stuff. And I was like, you know what that means, right? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm not going drinking with you. Hmm. Now, then we have a couple of preview pages for the next volume, 19. And mm. I was puzzled here because in in the story, that last scene with father, he says Von Hohenheim. Mm. Now, but in this preview, it says Van Hohenheim. Mm. In the, the one with father, it's Van in the Japanese. I think that's a... A mistake, maybe. Um, it's it, Van Hohenheim here too. Okay, so in, and in the preview page also. Yes, it's the same. Okay. Yeah, it's the same. It's Van. Hmm. Okay, so Van is correct. In the actual comic, it's wrong. Yeah, okay. I believe like Von is German and Van is like Dutch? Uh, Scandinavian Dutch. Yeah. Yeah, Dutch. That sounds yeah, right. Dutch. Mm-hmm. Okay. One is down by the river. The other is comedian with the southern accent. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, Beethoven was German. He was Ludwig von Beethoven. Von, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Van so, Gogh was... But except I'm not sure if von... I'm thinking think, this is a young Hohenheim. Probably. Is Van supposed to be his first name, though? rather than part of his family name, because father was giving full names here. Edward Elric, Alphonse Elric. 
and von Hohenheim, and then Izumi Curtis. So it implies that that's his first name. I don't know, you know, the, the names in this comic are kind of goofy sometimes. Yeah, there's there's no way to tell either way because even though it uses like the 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 black middle dot to separate the names, it's used also between Izumi Curtis as well. Mm. So there's no way no way to know. People and you know what? It's people don't know. I've had my name because I have a hyphenated name, Ijima Washburn. It just blows everybody's mind. <laughs> they just can't wrap their heads around it. I recently got awarded for like. Uh, over five years of volunteer service in the uh, the volunteer fire brigade, and they could not. They 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 said my name as as if Ijima was my first name and Washburn was my last name. <laughs> when Ijima Washburn <laughs> is my last name, and I was super annoyed, especially when they printed it that way. <laughs> and I'm like, so this is Tim and Ijima have- for. <laughs> You know I have other cost. names. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like at the at the, the hospital, you know, when they, they look, they always put the family name first, and then you have your first name and your middle name, and so they always call you by your middle name. You know, mm. I'd be like, they'd be like, Michael, Michael, and I'm like, yeah. who are they talking? Oh, me. For a long time, I was like, no matter what order I put my name in on the form, they always call me Young instead of, <laughs> or they call me <laughs> Timothy instead of Young. Right, as my thinking, it's my family name. Um, I don't know. I seem to have fixed that now. I, just, I always put my family name first, and it seems to work most of the time. Um, there was no uh, in memoriam rectangle here. I was wondering what was on the spine. Nobody of, died. Nobody okay, died. There's just, it's just nothing clouds. there. Is just there? Clouds. Oh, it, oh, it is clouds. Okay. Um, and they've done that before, uh, but yeah. yeah, they didn't even include that in the English version. Uh, there are a couple other comics here uh, where Ed is there with with Winry and Al, and he says, "If you look carefully at the kanji that spell Fullmetal full Alchemist in Japanese, you'll see it has the character for money in it three times, or gold. It could be gold, but yeah, yeah they're talking about money." And she says, "How extravagant." And Al says, money, money, money. Everywhere you look, it's money, money, money. Even a manga about hopes and dreams is sullied by money. And he runs away. I give up. You're all a bunch of capitalist pigs. <laughs> Ed says, what's Direct wrong? Direct translation, by the way. Direct capitalist translation. pigs? Yes, it's a shihon shugi no buta domo. And Winry says, he's just going through a phase. Let him go. <laughs> he's at that difficult age <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Yoki it says if Mr. Yoki attempted human transmutation and he, he's, he's why is he, he wearing an I love New I York, love New York shirt. Yes, t-shirt it says whether it's my arms legs or hands you can have it take whatever you want and then we see like a ghostly version of him just like black background around the figure that's white except for the hair is black and then we see him with no hair saying i didn't say my hair yeah that's the one thing legs arms no problem hair nope that's hilarious about the i love new york t-shirt like when i was a kid (laughs) going to new york for the first couple times it's like you i wanted to get 
you know, the I Love New York t-shirt, you got to get it. And you have to get one of the bootleg ones from a guy off the street. It's just a rule. And then the other thing was like the Hard Rock Cafe when they before they were everywhere, you mm. know. There was like a few places that they mm -hmm. had Hard Rock Cafe. Now they're everywhere. Uh, and so those are like two of the shirts that you just had to get when you visit New York. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's volume 18. Got nine to go. Yep. So next one will be the, the last of the tens. And we'll be getting into the 20s. Yeah. So... Zoom in, zoom in. The pace has not really slowed. No. You know? <laughs> it's It continues to be very high octane. A lot mm -hmm. of things going on. Converted to bad guys <laughs> in one <laughs> chapter. Uh, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, they, they were not inherently evil. They were just doing what they were told. Yeah, uh, following orders. But, yeah, now they're seeing the error of their ways. But see, doesn't that say something good about the fact that, like, uh, they still have their orders, but it now that they know that their orders are being used to possibly destroy a lot of innocent people, they're like, screw those orders, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that one. I think this last chapter was the chapter that was maybe a little bit longer, mm. thus resulting in the lack of... I mean, I'm not like, ooh, I can't wait to get to the back matter, but, <laughs> you know, but it was a bit of a surprise not to have a little bit more, a little more taste. Yeah. But that was a good one. Yeah. What do we say, Tim? What do we say? Well, I was going to <laughs> remind everyone that it takes a village to make a philosopher's stone. <laughs> yes. And don't forget it. Don't forget it. It takes more than a village. It takes a town, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> So, we'll see you next time. See you next time. And don't forget, you get what you pay for. That's the law of, what's that the law of? Equivalent exchange. Yep. Longest podcast name related to Full Metal Alchemist. Already a long name in existence. <laughs> Y'all okay. be good. All right. See you next time. Bye-bye. Our theme is Winterfiend by Cryosyncope. You can follow us on Twitter at LOEE Podcast or email us at LOEE Podcast at DeconstructingComics.com. Support our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash deconcomics. See you in two weeks. The Law of Equivalent Exchange is a production of DeconstructingComics.com.